Welcome to Spring Ridge Church Podcast. We hope that you will be blessed by the podcast today. If you would like to find out more information about our church, our website's www.springridgechurch.com. You can send an email to me, the pastor, Scott Phillips, at pastor at springridgechurch.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Prayer requests, questions, desire for a Bible study, or you would like some information how to attend our church or another church of like precious faith. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. But uh, Romans 8 is one of my favorite chapters. And uh, so today we are going to read Romans 8 and verse 26. Everybody say likewise. To explain likewise, you have to go up a few verses, right? To understand what likewise is, you need. I just want to remind you, the Bible says that the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but the, the same has been made subject to hope. And so there are a lot of things that we are subject to we didn't choose. We did not choose the nature of our creation. God made us ways, and we think certain ways, and we value certain things because God made us that way. But he made us that way so that we could participate and partake in something that's greater than our natural proclivities. Big word today. Uh, the Lord, the Bible says the Lord made us subject to vanity. What is vanity? Something that really has no lasting value. And so, like if you desire to have a new car, do you know that's probably the biggest waste of money that you could spend today? No doubt you need it. But you could drive a, you know, a, I don't know, some cheap thing, right? That's not very pretty. Huh? Well, those aren't cheap anymore. <laughs> that used to mean something. But, but we all like to drive something nice. Nothing wrong with that. But we're subject to vanity. How many of you looked in the mirror this morning? Make sure your hair was right. I, it's obvious I should have looked one more time. I don't have to look in the mirror and know my hair ain't quite right. <clears throat> we were made subject to vanity. The reason why is, is, is this, this experience we have helps us to appreciate the hope that the Lord was going to give us. And that just as we are subject to vanity, the Lord has also given us a... a, a, a the vanity is a compare and contrast of the hope. And we have a, an opportunity to choose. I am going to be uh, 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 distracted by things that don't matter. I know they don't matter. right? How many of you confess sometimes you have been fixated on stuff that doesn't matter we fixate on things that don't matter but we recognize God given us an opportunity to turn that off to turn that down to recognize I need to put this in its proper place so that I can put Jesus and his purpose in a exalted place and so within this reality of challenges and troubles the Lord has given us hope and faith and, 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 and love. 
And so in that context, there is, there is this uh, difference of things. Verse 26, likewise, all, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Our infirmities oftentimes are wrapped up in the temporal, temporary circumstances that we uh, can be fixated on and can cause us trouble. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. A lot of times we want to pray for stuff that is uh, maybe not as important as other things. We may pray for the Lord to help me have a vacation when in reality I need to pray for the Lord to help me have a prayer meeting. We can really desire a vacation when what we really... No doubt, I believe in vacations, Brother Ryan, Sister Jennifer, they've been sharing pictures uh, about their great vacation, enjoying the sunshine and the sand, wonderful. And it's okay to desire that. We, uh, probably somewhere here, someone here today, I might prescribe a vacation. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, what we under, need to understand is there are things that are of greater importance. Sometimes we don't know how to pray as we ought because maybe we don't really know what is most pressing. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with, with groanings which cannot be uttered or understood. Uh, you know, does anybody have situations in your life and you, you, you really don't know how to pray for it? Or you've prayed for it so much you've, you've run out of ways to pray for it, Right? And, and that gives us an understanding of one of the ways that the Spirit of God desires to work in our life is that the Spirit of God can pray for us, pray through us, and we are able to say things that we can't say because we don't have words for it, but the Spirit intercedes for us. Verse 27, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I've said this, that, you know, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Can I get a witness? There's nothing like receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And when you do that, the way they experience that in the Bible is they spoke in other tongues. And I truly believe it. I spoke in tongues for the very first time at the young age of six years old. But the purpose of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost isn't just so people can say, look, another one got the Holy Ghost. Another one spoke in tongues. If I have not spoken tongues since I was six years old, I'm not sure how much the Holy Ghost is doing good the Holy Ghost is doing me. Because the purpose of the Holy Ghost is not just simply a sign that I've received the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost... Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless, but the comforter will come. The spirit of truth will come. He finally reveals it. Brother Hudson preached it Sunday. I will come into you. I will, now I am with you, but then I will be in you. And when I allow the spirit of God to pray through me, that is one of the greatest benefits in this world that I will have because the spirit of God can pray through me about the will of God. How many of you want the will of God in your life? How many of you know sometimes the will of God has been something you would never pray for? Huh. 
Amen. But you pray for the will of God because we know I would rather be in the wilderness in the will of God than in, the pro, in, in, in a place of prosperity outside the will of God. Because the will of God is going to set me up to be in the best circumstance for God's purpose in my life. And so he, the, the Spirit of God maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Jesus was able to pray it in the garden. And I think we have a hard time praying this. Jesus was able to say, uh, uh, Lord, if it be possible, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Now we can relate to that. <laughs> Lord, I don't like this that I, I, I'm going through and I surely don't like what I feel like is about to happen. Lord, he said, if it's possible... Let this cup pass from me. And if we are left to pray our own understanding, most of us would stop there. Lord, deliver me. Lord, help me. Lord, heal me. Lord God, you got to deliver me from this mess. But Jesus prayed, nevertheless. Not my will, but thine be done. I think sometimes the only way we can really pray that is through the Holy Ghost. Amen. We say, Lord, do this, Lord, do that, Lord, bless this, Lord, bless that. But sometimes the only way we can really pray for the will of God is because the will of God would be something we would never pray for. But Jesus prayed in the garden, and he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. How many of you believe Jesus did the will of God? So look what happened to the life of Jesus. Brother Danny, how hard do you think it was to get spikes through the hands or the wrists of Jesus? Imagine how hard that was. I mean, the, the, the complexity of, of something that's not solid, that maybe there was some movement. I mean, how do you hold your hand still when somebody's putting a, putting a nail? I mean, th th there's some movement there. And, and, and how, how big a hammer did it require? Could, I mean, how many have different size hammers in your house? And I have some of those little bitty hammers on those little bitty handles. They're all chromed up. And if you try to put a 10-penny nail through a 2 by 4 with that little bitty hammer, it might not work. Well, we understand that, that what they hung Jesus on wasn't some 10-penny nail. It was a spike. And so they had to have a big hammer. What if... They hit the hammer the way you and I might hit the hammer. How many times did they miss in the process of trying to get that spike through? But we know Jesus prayed, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And part of God's will was something no one would ever pray for. We would pray, oh God, not that. But but that happened. It, it went through his hands. It it went through his feet, and, and, and he's hanging there. I mean, I just can't imagine the agony of the process of when they stood up the, the post, and all his weight are hanging there, and it drops down into the hole. Can you imagine? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Sometimes 
the most difficult things that we face in life could be not what we pray for, but what the Lord decides to do in our life so that His purpose can be seen. And, and the only way we can survive in that, that space is to find in the Spirit the strength, the ability to communicate, to pray for the will of God for that which we could never utter because we could never pray, Lord, I want to be crucified. Somebody said amen. But I want, I want to share something. The Lord just renewed it in my mind, and I didn't know I was going to talk about this this morning. But, but when Jesus showed himself to the disciples, do you know the first things he showed his disciples? The Bible says, and he showed him his hands and his side. His hands is what was welded to the cross while he endured the agony of death. And it was the piercing of his side that was the, the final exclamation point that Jesus not only was hung on a cross, but they pierced his side after he was dead. And the Bible says blood and water flow. That was like he's really dead and we're going to show it, we'll prove it, it's done. And when Jesus was resurrected from the grave, they knew and no doubt was, were tragically affected by the mortification of the body of Christ. But as the resurrected Savior, when he stood forth and he said, hey, it really is me, and he showed his hands and his side, what was the, 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 the exclamation point that he was dead became the exclamation point that yet he was alive. And the Bible says, and they worshiped the Lord. Amen. You know, some of the greatest testimonies happen in our life at the conclusion of those things that seem to be the crucifixions of our souls. Amen. When we've been through hell and high water, when we've been through troubles and trials and we've come out the other side, none of us would say, well, I want to go through that again. But we can look back and say, look where the Lord brought me from. He brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he has set me on a rock. He's given me a song. He's given me testimony. I don't want to do it again, but I'm so glad he did it. Amen. And sometimes the only way we are able to operate in a spirit of submission, it is the Spirit of God that prays through us that we can pray, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Because, verse 28, and we know that all things, verse 28, and we know that all things, can you say that with me? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. The picture of that is no greater signified and simplified than in the man Christ Jesus. 
We preach the cross and him crucified. But the power of our faith isn't in Jesus hanging on the cross, but it is in Jesus raising from the dead. And we can see how the Lord has we repented of our sins. We've been baptized in his name. But the glory and the power is when we live a spirit-filled life and we're no longer bothered or bound by the things of the past. But we can say, thank God I am free. Thank God I I am free. Thank God I am free from the law of sin and death. Amen. I feel like preaching up in here this morning. Amen. Verse 29. <laughs> Amen. Everybody said it's about to get deep. Amen. We're going to put it down in fourth gear and turn on the four-wheel drive. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate them, he also called. And whom he called them, he also justified. And whom he justified them, he also glorified. Amen. You know, there is probably one of the greatest mysteries that we deal with in dealing with scripture is there is an all-knowing God that is not bound by time the time that we understand that we live in is a product that God said in the first day the evening and the morning were the first day God created the mechanism of time our time is a product of dividing up the various segments of the morning and the afternoon and the evening and the night and there was, was a way to divide up that sequence in 24 hours and you, you can set your clock by where, the, where, where, where we are in the, the face of the sun and the position of the earth and, and we, I actually touched my watch this morning and today's length is 12 hours and 13 minutes a couple of months ago it was 14 hours in a couple of months from now, it'll be 10 hours. And it's all, it's all it, God created this, this, this mechanism of time, but God is not bound by time. God is not bound by this reality. I'm, I'm going to be 52 years old here in a little bit. Man, how did that happen? Mom, what happened? I just was 30 the other day. But God's not like me. And I can look back and I say I got the Holy Ghost when I was six. I, I, I accepted my call to, well, I got my call to preach when I was 12. I accepted my call when I was 20. And I prayed through here and I prayed through there. And there's these points in time. But God dwells outside of that. And I, I, I believe as God, God, God sees my life. He saw, He knew me before I was in my mother's womb. And and if he tarries, he sees the plot and, and the marker that's going to be on my grave 30 years from now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say praise God. Oh, 40, yeah, whatever. <laughs> God knows all that. But I do believe that the Lord in his divine ability to, to determine how he interacts with us is I believe that he deals with me, deals with me the exact same way that he deals with a drunk on the street that, that may 
be far away from God, I believe the Lord puts the same effort into reaching them as he does to reach me. He does foreknow me. I, I believe I have been predestinated, but I believe that's that invitation. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Now how does that fit into this scripture that says whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate? It is, it is a mystery. It is, it is beyond my ability to fully comprehend because if, if you serve a God, you understand you don't serve a very big God. Right? And so I do believe the Lord really does know the end from the beginning, but I believe that He gives the same grace to the lost as He does to the sweetest, most prayerful, holy woman that's ever lived. Amen. Every one of you. He's reaching for the backslider just like he's reaching for you. He is not willing that any should perish. I've had a, 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 a number of people know I, I feel pretty strong and have some very definitive ideas about Calvinism. Uh, most of the theology of deception that is preached in this particular region revolves around a construct of doctrine created by a man by the name of John Calvin. Most people don't know where their doctrine came from. They just heard the preacher say it. But a lot of people believe in the doctrines of Calvin, and I, am adam I adamantly believe that Calvinism is the same deception that the, the snake whispered to Eve. The snake whispered to Eve, Thou shalt not surely die. It was eternal security being in Genesis 3, thou shalt not surely die. God will not judge you for doing wrong. Everything's going to be good. It'll be better. It's that same doctrine in the book of Revelations where, where, where Jesus said the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which doctrine I hate. I hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And if you go study, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans was a doctrine that said as long as you're saved on the inside, it doesn't matter what you do in your body. And I think it is, it is important Anyway, somebody contacted me And, and, and there is this doctrine that, 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 that Jesus only died for those that would be saved So Jesus chose a particular group of people And he shed just enough blood for those particular people And those particular people in whom Jesus shed his blood for there is nothing that they can do to be lost. That's Calvinism. And if you're one of those select few and there's nothing you can do to be lost, there is nothing you can do to be saved. And if you're not one of those chosen, you are predetermined to go to hell. And there's nothing you can do to be saved. That is a five-point Calvinism. That is... I believe it's much like Islam, fatalism. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Que sera, sera. Fatalism. And that, that is Islam. And, and, and Calvinism in its purest form is a form of Christian fatalism. And a lot of people don't know that they may not know all five steps, but much of what they're taught is little twigs and sprigs and leaves and branches from the Calvinistic branch. 
And I, I, I say this in respect, but it is a doctrine of demons. I'm going to do some teaching on that on our various video forms. But, but I, I bring this up in context of verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Who's that talking about? Jesus. For whom he did, whom he did predestinate, them, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. I truly believe that it is God's intent that all men might be saved. Jesus shed his blood for the sins of the whole world. Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus shed the blood for the sins of the whole world, and yet the whole world is not saved. Where's the disconnect? The disconnect is in our desire. Am I going to obey the gospel? Am I going to walk in fearful submission to the fact that that the one that died to save my soul I must live to honor that salvation to him for what shall we say to these things if God be for us who can be against us he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for all of us for us all see that for us all he he delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Amen. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Amen. I'm telling you today, that I truly believe that there is nothing more powerful than the love of God. He gave us all things in His death. But the only way I can live and fully appreciate His what He's given us is I have to choose to live in a spirit of submission, a spirit of humility that says, Lord, <laughs> He's God. He's God. Amen. No doubt he, he, he will commune with me as a friend. He will, he will uh, deal with me as a father. He, he will, he will uh, guide me as a shepherd. But in all of these types and shadows, he is more than anything. He is the God of, he's the God of the world. God, he's the God of humanity. And we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for the deeds that are done in our body. He's the only one that can judge us. Amen? He's the judge. I've had people ask me before, you know, about the eternal destination of various people. You know, I do believe you can, you can judge a tree by its fruit. You've heard the saying, don't judge a book by its cover. That's an interesting saying. But wouldn't you agree most books you can judge by their covers? I mean, it says dictionary on the front, right? It says Bible on the spine, 
right? It's got little kids and, and puppy dogs. I, I think you can judge a book by its cover, right? You know, a lot of times people, you, I've said this before, the favorite scripture in our culture today is uh, uh, judge not. But if they actually read the whole chapter, Jesus then goes on and says, don't cast your pearls before swine. He begins to make all kinds of, uh, of, of, of lessons that if you can identify certain things, but at the end of the day, God is the only one that gets to have the final say on the sole uh, destination for us all. Amen. I believe people will get to heaven and they will be surprised at who is there. But I also believe people will get to heaven and, and they will be surprised by who is not there. Because it matters not what everybody else in the world thinks about you. Jesus, the Bible says we are naked and open unto him in whom we have to do. He is the one that judges us. And in my opinion, that should not comfort us. That should scare us as much as any devil in hell is that God who knows us better than we know ourselves is going to judge us. So what should our response be? Oh God, forgive me. Oh God, have mercy on my soul. Lord God, I want to live right. I want to talk right. I want to live right. I want to, I want to be right, Lord. I want to treat my, my fellow man uh, uh, in a way that honors you. Lord God, I, I, want to, I, want to, I want to be saved, Lord. Help me. Help me, Lord, to live in a way that pleases you. I want to please God. How many of you want to please God? God is the one that's going to judge us. Who is he that condemneth? What does it say? <laughs> it is Christ. Christ is going to be the one that condemns. It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. I believe Jesus has faith. I have faith in Jesus, but I believe Jesus has faith in me. I do. I do. How much faith does Jesus have in lost humanity he shed his blood for us he shed his blood for the sins of the whole world the bible says god has given to every man the measure of faith the lord has given us all the ingredients to do what it is that god has called us to do but like the the, the opening line on the top of your notes we all have a keyboard but what sentences are we typing We all have the same tools, but what are we doing? The Bible says, let everything that hath breath, what does it say? Let everything that hath breath, let everything that hath breath, but what are people doing with their breath? Is everybody praising the Lord? I would say that yesterday, there was more passion expended by people that consider themselves believers then passion will be expended today by the same people that consider themselves believers. I mean, I heard of the tragedy yesterday. It was a tragedy unlike any tragedy, at least since last Saturday. Memphis beat 
State. Y'all know heard about this, right? Memphis beat State because because the 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 the, the referees called it wrong. Old Miss. Like I said, passion. People are so passionate. I I, heard, I read something the other day. It's a proven fact that referees are always going to call it wrong for your team. Whoever your team is. Right? Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. But the challenge is, is we have been given the same tools to worship God, to honor God, to bless God. <sighs> but what do we do with our breath? <sighs> what do we do with our imagination? What do we do with our time to, that is given to us? Sleep or eat or rest or relax or to be entertained or, or, or what, what do we do with the, that with that breath and, and, and we are all going to stand before the Lord who shed his last drop of precious blood and we have not had to bleed for our own salvation we have not had to die for our own sins Jesus has given us access to all things and all that he asked from us who is he that can, in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? I would say tribulation actually brings people closer to the Lord. Let somebody start uh, uh, attacking your faith. Most of us are going to be like, hey, you attack my faith, watch this. Right? People that don't even have faith today, that you know, they start shutting down churches and stuff. People that didn't go to church got mad. I can't believe they won't let people go to church. And they hadn't been to church in 10 years. I'm proud of my freedom of religion. Right? Uh, tribulation isn't going to separate you from the love of God. Somebody said amen. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress? Distress makes us more connected to the love of God because we say, oh God, help me. I'm in distress. Am, am I telling the truth? Or, 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 or persecution, oh, I just said it, or famine. What does it happen when, you, when, you, when your stomach's chewing on your backbone? Oh, God, give us this day our daily bread. I've had people come to church because they was hungry, right? That doesn't separate us from the love of God. Uh, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him. What's it say? It loved us. I would say there is a thing that separates us from the love of Christ. Anybody got a mirror in here? Anybody got a cell phone? I'll use that one. Says, you know what separates you from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus. I'm about to show you a picture. You, you know what will separate you? That right there. This, this is what will separate you. Whoo, that's scary. From the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. It's me. It's not my brother, not my sister. 
but it's me that I have to deal with. It is this body of death. It is this challenge of the flesh that is my great challenge. Everybody said, he's almost through. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Everybody say, I am. I am capable of having victory in my life. Amen. Because God has given me the sovereign ability to decide who I will be and what I will serve. And I choose to serve God. Say that with me. I choose to serve God. Amen. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come. Y'all see what's missing left out right there? The present and future. What's left out? It doesn't say the past, does it? I am persuaded nor nor powers nor things present nor things to come. I, I will tell you the past will separate you if you let it. Come on, somebody. That's a free sermon. Amen. Everybody say, he's almost done. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I, by the help and grace of God, I decide that I am going to put Jesus at the center of it all. Can we pray in the name of Jesus? Lord, I love you today. God, I know the Lord Jesus that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. I know that without you, Lord God, I can do nothing of note. Lord Jesus, that in myself, Lord God, my righteousness is as filthy rags. But Lord Jesus, I am persuaded, Lord God, that through the grace of God through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the name of Jesus Christ, through the word of God, that, Lord God, nothing is impossible to them that believe. Lord God, that anything is possible today by the power and the grace of God. I pray that you, O God, would allow your word to sink deep into our hearts. Lord God, I pray that it would make a difference in our lives and help us, Lord Jesus, in the pursuit of things to be sure that we're not too far to the right And not too far to the left. But Lord Jesus, we are right in the center of your will, in the center of your word, in the center of your desire. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen.